Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. All right, well, you can take out those worship guides. Inside are some sermon notes. We are in a series that I'm calling Decade Defining Decisions. And over the next three weeks, I'm going to give you three decisions that will define your entire next decade. They're such big decisions that if you'll get these things right, everything else will be right. It's so important that you're here every single week, that you're taking notes. That I truly believe that, that note takers are world changers, so I want you taking some notes. And then uh, they say that if you take notes, you're four times more likely to uh, remember it. So we give you notes right there in your worship guides, or you can take notes on our Radiant Church app, which I love. I love to seeing how you guys do that and share it with your friends. It's incredible. So we're, we're going to be in a, in a series, and every single week, I'm going to give you a new decision that'll define your decade. And the next two weeks, I'm so pumped about it. But today's decision is so huge. But before I get into it, let me give you one statement that just shows the importance of your decisions. You're going to hear this statement every week, and you can write it down this way, that it is your decisions, not your desires, that determine your destiny. So there's a lot of you guys that you you think it's just, if I think happy thoughts, everything will be happy. Wrong. That doesn't work. You got to do something more than that. You got to take action to it. So I'm going to give you some action steps so that you can actually see change in your life this year. And and I just really believe God's gonna do something big. You see, we are the product of our decisions. Whether you like it or not, where you're at right now is the product of good and bad decisions that you've made in your life. I've I've made some really good decisions in my life, and I've made some pretty bad decisions in my life. Let me give you some of them. Um, A really good decision this upcoming uh, summer, Katie and I will be celebrating 10 years together. And uh, look at that little... Look at that couple right there. That was the best decision she's ever made in her life right there, I promise you. That's a big deal. And so uh, that was a good decision. I'm telling you, it was a great decision. Uh, A few years before that, a bad decision was when I bleached my hair. You might not know that guy. Oh, you don't know anything about that, Aaron Burke, right there. And that is the worst picture ever. And I want you just to take it in because you'll never see it again. Uh, good decision. I think you would agree that a little over six years ago, we found this little rundown dollar theater in South Tampa, and we started Radiant Church. Like, and that was our that was the church right there. That was that was our opening stage. That was our opening experience right there, and it was a little bit crazy. But uh, a bad decision. You might not know about this one, but uh, last summer during at the movies, I dressed up as a character from Mary Poppins. That was a bad decision right there. What was I thinking? Bad decision. So listen, I say that to say that we all make good, we all make bad decisions. I'm going to give you a good decision you can do with your life that will affect your next decade. You have your Bibles today. Open up to the book of John chapter 2. I want to show you a decision that honestly has shaped my life more than anything else. John chapter 2, we're going to read a story about a wedding in a place called Cana. Now you might have heard this story before. I want to show you the decision in the story That'll define your entire next decade. The the verse goes like this in verse 1. It was on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. How many know you're an important person if you got Jesus at your wedding? I mean, Jesus is there, his disciples are there, and you're more important than anybody else because you got Jesus' mom at your wedding. This is, this is a big deal. Uh, they actually believe, theologians believe, 
that the, the author, uh, the guy John, who wrote the book of John, is the guy. It was his wedding, many believe. So they believe it was somebody that was connected to the disciples because Jesus is there, the family's there, his mother is there. And the Bible says it's on the third day. Say third day. Now, this is important, you know, context, because the context is that the wedding ceremony was seven days long. Now, I don't know how long your wedding was, but I don't want no seven-day-long wedding. Like, like I, I don't care if Jesus is at my wedding. You ain't showing up for seven days. I remember my wedding, and like, we got there, like, we celebrated, give me a piece of cake, and I want to leave you guys. I got more important things to do on the agenda than hang out with you guys for seven days. But it's three days into the wedding, and there's a scandal that happens, and a miracle is needed. Look at this, verse 3. And they ran out of wine. This is the scandal. This is the issue. Some of you guys go, that's amazing. We need a miracle in that moment right there. <laughs> they ran out of wine. Now, this would have been something that would have been embarrassing to the family. It either means two, one of two things. One, they didn't prepare well, and they ran out three days in. Or two, uh, some people were taking a little too much sip of the communion, if you know what I mean. Like... They were just having a little bit too much. So, so this is an embarrassment. And look what happens, verse 3. And the mother of Jesus says to him, says to Jesus, they have no wine. Now, ladies, maybe it's just my wife, who I love so much. But I don't know if, if it's all ladies, but they talk in code at times. And Mary's doing it right here in this story. For instance, my wife does this to me, and I, I love her to death. But she'll say something like this. I'll, I'll take off my shoes, and I'll put them next to the couch, and she'll walk up and say, are those your shoes? <laughs> what other option is there? <laughs> if they're not my shoes, we have a bigger problem. <laughs> She's talking in code. What she meant with, 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 by saying that was what? Get your shoes up and put them away. I, I just don't know why we don't speak the way we think at times. I, I, I'll take my cereal bowl, and I'll take it, and I'll put it in the sink. And my wife will say, are you done with that? <laughs> it's empty. Of course I'm done. But that's not what she meant. What she meant was what? Put it in the dishwasher. I'm not here to, to do your dishes, right? Hey, so Mary is coming up to Jesus and doing the same thing. Hey, Jesus, I don't got any wine. Like, do something about this. And look what Jesus responded with. He responds with, woman. Now, let me just give you a little advice. Only Jesus can call his mother woman. Can I hear get him in today? He says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. It's not my time for a miracle. I'm here for a wedding. I'm here to just relax. I'm here, I'm here to, to, be, to, to hang out with friends. And then verse five, but his mother says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Verse six, and now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Think about this. And he said to them, fill the water pots with water. This isn't like get a cup. This is six containers that are 30 gallons apiece. 180 gallons filled with water. He wanted some wine at that wedding. And he said to them, draw some out 
and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water, it was made into wine. And he did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn um, out the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. He said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now. Like, this is, this is remarkable. And this is the beginning of the signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And he manifested his glory, and the, the disciples believed him. It's the very first miracle we see in Jesus' life. And here's how the miracle began with a decade-defining decision. I want to show you it again in verse 5 because you might have missed it. Mary, Jesus' mother, turns and says, whatever he says for you to do, do it. Ready? Here's the decade-defining decision. Whatever God says to you, do it. There's something about a church who makes a decision that says, I don't care if it makes sense. I don't care if it's reasonable or practical. I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. I have lost my right to do things my way. I'm doing them God's way. And if you want a miracle in your life, you got to learn to be obedient to whatever God says to you. Come on, give him better praise than that. Amen. Wherever he tells me to go, I'm going to go. Whatever he tells me to give, I'll give. Whatever he tells me, whoever he tells me to talk to, I'm going to talk to him. Whoever he says to invite to church, I'm going to invite him to church. Whatever business he tells me to step out and start, I'm going to be obedient to it. Because my life is going to be separated from the rest of the crowd because I've made a decision that whatever he says to me, I'm going to do it. Let me just remind you today, write it down in your notes, it does not have to make sense for it to be God. Because a lot of you guys are waiting for the practical, the sensible, when, when, when it makes sense, then I'll obey. That's not how God works. We see all throughout the scripture, the people who changed the world were people who did out of the box, weird things, not because it was their idea, but it was because God told them to do it, and they changed the world because they lived by a statement that's a decade-defining decision, which is, whatever God says to me, I'm going to do it. Let, let me give you some of them. Noah, God tells him to build a boat. Now, you got to think about this. This boat's the size of a cruise ship, and it had never rained before. It did not make sense, but it was God. How about another one? God spoke to Moses through a burning bush, a talking plant. It doesn't make sense, but it's God. God told Elijah, here's how I'm going to feed you. I'm going to send ravens every morning and twice a day, and they're going to feed you some food. I'd be like, God, that doesn't make sense. Birds don't come and bring me food. But guess what? It was God. Let me give you another one. Ezekiel laid on his, you got to look at this story. He laid on his left side for 390 days. Why? I don't know. God told him to do it. And when God says it, we obey. God told Hosea to name his children. One of his children named him unloved. And the other one named him not my people. Now imagine the counseling session those kids had to go through. They're like, oh, Dad, why did you call us this? God said it, and I do it. That's just how we live. How about this one? Uh, one day, Jesus told Peter, hey, we got to pay our taxes because it's the right thing to do to pay taxes. So Peter says, well, how do we do it? How do we get the money? He says, Peter, go down and go fishing. Throw your line in. When you catch a fish, bring it up. And when you bring it up, there's going to be money in the fish's mouth. It didn't make sense. Can you imagine? He's walking to there going, this is stupid. This doesn't make sense. Why am I doing this? And he throws his line in. He gets the fish out. He looks, and there's money inside of the fish. 
Come on, how many know I'd throw another line in right after that? You just keep throwing it in like, what? Listen, you got to understand in your life, obedience, write it down your notes, is always the precursor for a miracle. So for some reason, God could have done all of those miracles without our involvement. He could have turned the water to wine. He could have provided the money. He could have brought salvation. He could have redeemed the people from Israel. But he chose to work through broken, lost people. And when we do our part, which is small, God does his part, which is very big. He can do it in your life today. So how do we see this happen in our life? Because I know there's a lot of people in here that need a miracle and you need God to do something huge in your life. And you go, well, Aaron, I, I, whatever God wants me to do, I'll do it. But how do I know what God wants me to do? Let me give you three things. And then we're going to end this service in just a little bit. With, by the way, we're, still, we're doing it every week, our benediction. So make sure you stay around to the very end. And we'll close it out with our benediction. And, and we'll be done. Number one, write it down in your notes this way. Here's how you can get to a place where you can know what God wants you to do. First of all, you got to get close to God. you got to get close to God. I don't know if you have any close talkers in your life. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? A close talker is somebody who invades your personal space when they talk. So they don't talk at a normal, like a normal distance is like, you know, three or four feet. Like let's, let's have a normal, like comfortable distance. But close talkers get like way awkwardly close. I have a friend of mine, he's in ministry in California. I love him and hopefully he won't watch this message. Um, <laughs> But I love him to death, except that he just talks too close to me. Like, it's awkward. Like, every time he comes in, I'm, like, going backwards a little bit like this. You know what I'm talking about? Those people in your life. And, and it's always, like, rank coffee breath, you know? Like, and just, they're just, they always, ah, ah, as they talk. Like, they, they love to be close. I, I take it as a compliment, you know what I mean? Like, you just like to be close. I want you to know this, all right? It's the weirdest illustration. God's a close talker. So if you want them to speak to you, you gotta just get a little bit closer than you are right now. You know, that's why we're doing 20 days of prayer and fasting because we're making a conscious decision that no matter where we are, we're just gonna get a little closer to God. And that's where Mary turns to the servants and are saying, listen, Jesus is gonna speak and whatever he tells you to do, you do it. I wanna be in a place of proximity with Jesus that he has availability to speak to me at all times because I've gotten as close as I can get. And God wants you to get closer today. James chapter four says it this way, that if we come near to God, let's have our team on the stage. If we come near to God, he will come near to you. And I love this illustration, if it is, um, I, we got, oh, thank you so much. All right, so we got two people up here that um, we're gonna do a little illustration. Okay, so this is you, and we make a decision to say, you know what, we're gonna come near to God, we're gonna do our part, we're gonna take a step, and, and our steps always seem overwhelming. They always seem so big. It's the idea of I'm going to, I'm going to 6 a.m. prayer, or I'm going to give for the first time, or I'm going to go to the next steps. I'm going to, I'm going to take some action step to get a little bit closer to God. I'm going to raise my hands and worship. Like You remember that first time you're like, oh, it's such a big deal, but it brought you closer to God. So what it does, this is what I picture when I take my steps towards God. So my step towards God, all right, now you're going to take a step. Now this is a big deal. Because, I mean, you're going to 6 a.m. prayer for the first time. You're taking notes for the first time. Maybe you're in church for the first time. And you've taken your step. And here's what all of our steps look like. Ready? Here it is. Go. That's a big step. That's a big deal. I can't believe you did that. That's a big deal. And you know what God's doing? This is Eddie. This is God for our, our day. All right. No, 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 no. Step back. Step back, Eddie. Uh, God's eager to get close to you. 
But here's what I realized about God, is God doesn't take steps the way we take steps. So when you do your part to take that little step that might have seemed overwhelming to you, here's a God step. Now, Eddie, I want you to take as stride, as big as you can out there. Ready? All right, one step. Ready, set, go. That is how a God, God steps. So we draw near to him, and then he draws, one more little step. All right, and then God, look at that. He, God gets so close to you. If you'll do your part, he'll do his part, and he'll get close to you. Come on, give him better praise, amen? Thank you, guys. Write it on your notes this way. When I intentionally get close to God, he drastically gets close to me. And God wants to get so close to you right now. In this season of 20 days of prayer and fasting, we just gotta get in closer proximity to him. And when we get close to him, he wants to speak to you. Here's number two. Because if we're gonna live a whatever God says, we're gonna do it culture, then here's number two. You gotta expect to hear direction from God. So it's not just that I'm gonna get close to God, but I'm gonna get close to God expecting that I'm gonna receive something, expecting that I've got something that, that he's gonna speak to me about. So when I take those moments to get near God, when I come to 6 a.m. prayer, when I show up to church, when I do my devotions, I'm not doing it to check off a list. I'm doing it because I know the God of the universe has direction to offer me for my marriage, for my ministry, for my business. No matter what it is, he's got something to say about your life, and you've got to expect to hear from God. I, I, I believe this. God will always meet us at our level of expectancy. So if you think, that, man, I'm never getting anything from God, it's not on God's part, it's on our part. We can have two people sit in the exact same service. One of them is leaning in, taking notes, writing stuff down. The other one is sitting there just going, when is this gonna be over? I got football to watch today. It's a big day. And, 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 one, of them, and one will always leave going, man, that changed my life. Two people, same service. What, what's the difference? Expectancy. One expected something from God. I've just changed my whole way of doing life this year where I'm not gonna have a single devotion life where I'm not walking into that devotional time going, God is going to speak to me. He's got something to say about me, for me, and I'm gonna figure out what it is. Isaiah 30 says it this way. It says, it says I love this, your own ears will hear him. If you'll get close to him, you'll start hearing God. People say all the time, they're like, well, what does the voice of God sound like? Does it, 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 it's, it's louder than audible. You, you feel it in here. You just know he's saying, do this, take that step, minister to that person, pray for that coworker. There's something about the voice of God. He, he's right behind you, this voice, and he'll say to you, this is the way you should go. Won't you know, he's not confused about your marriage. He's not confused about what's going on in your life. He's not confused about the business you're supposed to start. We just start leaning into him and saying, God, what do you want to say to me in this moment? And here's what I do. When, when I can't figure out what God's saying, write it down this way. When I can't hear his voice, I just read his voice. So this is why I'm in God's word every single day. That's why you need to do a Bible reading plan. And I hope you've started it the first week of 20 days of prayer and fasting. If you haven't, start one this week. Get in God's word because when God is speaking, every time I'm reading it, I'm going, God, you have something for me to, to learn. You have something. I'm, I'm expecting direction from God. And when you expect direction from God, guess what? He's speaking more than we're listening. Watch how he'll change your life if you'll just expect him to do it. Can I hear a better amen than that today, church? All right, number three. So, so the guys, you got to think of this. Mary says, whatever he says, do it. That's our decade-defining decision. So they were in close proximity so they can hear from God. That's why we got to get closer than we are right now. The second thing, they expected direction. Okay, what do we do? 
And then the third thing is that you got to learn to obey immediately and obey fully. Okay, help me out with that, that, that barrel. Obey immediately and obey fully. Now, this is important for us to understand that if God's going to speak to you, he's going to speak to you with the understanding that you are going to obey immediately and you're going to obey fully. So Jesus says, get those six buckets, those six barrels, and they're, they're 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot of, of liquid right there. And they're empty. And he says, I want you to fill them up. Now think about this, because this is before the days of like hoses and stuff. So what is he saying? He's saying like, get, get a pitcher, get a bucket, go to the well and go get some water and then fill up this thing. So imagine these servants, okay? Because this is super important. You understand, this is the life of Christianity. Imagine these servants where they're sitting there going, this is the weirdest thing we're ever gonna do. They walk over to the well. They go down, they get some water. And they walk back. And they start filling it up. And then they walk back over. And they get some more water. And they walk back. And, and you know what? There's probably a lot of other people at the wedding going, guys, what are y'all doing? We're all hanging out. We're partying day number three. Let's, we're just getting this thing started. But they've got an assignment from God. And when they get an assignment from God, there's no other options but to say yes. We're just gonna say yes to whatever he tells us to do. So this is what it looks like. It looks like, it looks like going to church. Well, you're gonna go every single week, yep. I don't understand it, but I just know this is what God has told me to do. I'm not gonna be in one week, out another week. I'm gonna lead a small group. Boy, you don't need to lead a small group, that's too extreme. No, no, I'm just gonna keep getting, doing what God has told me to do, and I'm gonna keep being obedient, and maybe, just maybe, if I do my part, God will do his part. Because James is very clear for us. Listen, listen, it says, don't merely listen to the word. You're gonna deceive yourselves. And so many people, so many Christians do this. They come to church, and they listen to the message and they leave and they go, how was that? That was good, that was good. But you're not changing. So you deceive yourselves into thinking you're actually doing what they're doing. Listen, the only way to change your life is to change your life. So, so what do you do? You do what it says. The same, same passage right there. What, what is it? We're just gonna do whatever God tells us to do. And it might look foolish, but we're gonna do, and, and Jesus said it this way, don't just fill it, fill them to the brim every single time. Like, I'm not gonna just go halfway. Well, I attended one class the next step, so I'm fine. No, no, no I'm gonna do both of them. I'm gonna do it. I'm, not, I'm, gonna attend, I'm gonna make sure I'm, I'm showing up. I'm making sure my kids are, are in church every single week. I'm gonna do my part in this thing. And watch what'll happen. Listen, if you'll start doing your part, God will do his part in your life. I love stories. We have so many stories of our church where people, they're, they're just people that are just constantly filling up the, the water pots. Uh, one couple in our St. Pete location, I love this couple, uh, they were praying for a child for years and years and years, just praying, God, give us a kid, give us a kid. And on one of our worship services, God said, prepare the nursery. You know what that looks like? Just gonna go get some more water. So they're, they're walking through Bed Bath & Beyond, or, or, or Bye Bye Baby, and they're walking through, and they're getting the little crib, and they're getting this stuff, and they're just, they're filling up the water pot, and then everybody's like, oh, when are you due? We're not sure yet, but we just know we're, God says it, we're gonna do it, and when we do our part, God does his part. We're gonna keep being faithful to God. 
Uh, listen, listen. I remember uh, it was a few years ago. I brought, right after one of our very first, I just want to build your faith the last two minutes I have. One of our very first Easter's. And it was wall to wall, I mean, just like today's services, wall to wall people, we had no clue what to do. And I remember after the week, the Easter, I was sitting in, in this theater. If you've ever been to our South Tampa location, right now it's four auditoriums that we've blown out to make one big auditorium. But before it was one auditorium and I was sitting over here watching Fast and the Furious the week after Easter, very spiritual. And, and I was so bored and I just was sitting there and while I'm sitting there, I'm looking at this wall and I'm telling you, as clearly as I'm speaking right now, God said, take out that wall. Like there's a 50-foot wall in between these two auditoriums. I'm just looking at it going, that's the craziest thing I've ever thought about. Like where did that, you'll know when it's God because you'll say something like this. Where did that thought come from? Like, like give that person money. Where did that thought come from? Do you really think the devil is telling you to do that? Go pray for that coworker. Where did that thought, it's from God. So I'm sitting there, and, and listen, you got to think, this is, this is a, a water-pouring moment in my life. We did not have the lease to this place. This was not our facility. So now I had to work a crazy deal with the movie theater company that was in here going, hey, I promise you it's going to work out good. And within five days, we tore down a wall, and we were able to expand the church. Why? Because I just did my part, and I'm going to fill it up, and I'm going to let God do his part. I just do what God's told me to do. And here's what I want you to understand. The miracle is on the other side of our movement. So, so God's not waiting. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you to just say, you know what, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it this year. Well, everybody else is sleeping around. Everybody else, nobody else, you know, uh, waits until marriage. Well, guess what I'm doing? I'm going to just make sure that I do what God's told me to do. And maybe I don't want the results everybody else has got. Smith Wigglesworth, they gave a story of his, Smith Wigglesworth was a preacher that, uh, the story goes that he was going to preach a, like a revival service like we had Wednesday night. And it was multiple nights in a row. So he's walking across the street to go to the auditorium that he's preaching at. And as, I, by the way, I've got like 20 of these. I'm only going to do this one. Um, as he's walking across he feels God speak to him and said, go to the fifth floor of that hotel right there. Go to room 573. You might think this is stuff is crazy. I want you to, this is the kind of church that God's raising up. We're gonna hear what God says. So he's, he says, I'm not going across that hotel. He said, go to five, room 573. You're gonna see a keyhole there. Go to the keyhole and yell in the keyhole, John 316. He's like, there's no way. Let me tell you, 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 can, you can, so many people are all about experiencing the miraculous. Many times before we experience the miraculous, we look ridiculous. Uh, everybody wants the impossible. Nobody wants to do the impractical. That's the life of faith that God's called us to live. We just do whatever God tells us to do. So Smith Wigglesworth walks across the street. Finally, he fights it, fights it, goes up to the fifth floor, room 573, Goes up to the keyhole. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Who up? You know, the whole thing. And then he runs out going, I don't want anybody to see me. <laughs> True story. Goes up and preaches that night. Next night, goes into the service. Hey, is there any testimonies in the service? A man stands up in the back of the auditorium. 
It says, last night, I was standing on a chair with a noose around my neck in my hotel room, but somebody spoke into the door and told me that God loves me. I'm telling you, there's something about being a church that says we're not gonna care what anybody else thinks. Whatever God tells us, we are going to do it. Stand to your feet at every location. Let's put our focus, let's put our attention on Him. every location to stand to your feet. I want you to have a moment with Jesus right now. Nobody moving around. This could be a moment where the miracle you need, God speaks to you about it. I, I truly believe, this is my prayer, is that whatever you're going through, whatever the struggle is, whatever the miracle that you need in your life, that we're just gonna be a church that says whatever Jesus tells us, we're gonna do it. Some of you, he's gonna speak to you even right now. What is the Lord telling you right now? Some of you is telling you, yo, propose, get in that relationship. Some of y'all, he's saying, go through next steps. Lead a small group. Just be obedient to whatever God tells you to do. Lord, let us be a church that we're not looking for the practical, the, the possible, the normal. If we're gonna change history, we're gonna be a church that truly lives in such a way that whatever Jesus tells us, we're gonna do it. Lord, I pray that you would raise our level of faith this decade to hearing your voice. I believe that God is gonna speak to people about businesses to start and and expansion to happen and ministry for you to step into. God, just whatever you tell us, just make that commitment right now. Say, God, whatever you tell me to do this decade, I'm here to be obedient. I believe God you'll honor in our life. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know you can. You can start it right now. And I think this is a simple yet significant way to say, Jesus, I'm gonna give you my life. I'm putting my trust in you. If you're in one of the overflow rooms, you're in uh, Brandon or St. Pete or at the Heights, I want you to respond. And you say, Aaron, I'm not at the right place, so I need to be with God. But today, I wanna make a decision. God is calling me, and I wanna make a decision to give him my life. I believe God's speaking to you right now. He's saying, give me your sin, your past, your issues, and follow me. Whatever he says do it. That's you on the count of three. You're ready to surrender your life to Christ. You feel like God is drawing you right now. If that's you on the count of three, you're going to throw that hand up. You're going to wave it at me and you're going to put it right back down. And I believe God's going to change your life right in this service. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Throw that hand up. Dozens of hands raised all over this place. Those in overflow, throw that hand up. Wave it at me. Put it right back down. Those at St. Pete, Brandon, Heights, wave it at me. Put it right back down. Just pray this prayer. Why don't we all pray it out loud together as a church? Say, dear Jesus. Oh, that's about half of y'all. Say it all together. Dear Jesus, today I make a decision to follow you. I give you my past, my present, and my future. Forgive my sin, my mistakes. I decide to make you my Lord and to make you my Savior. Not just today but for the rest of my life. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate with dozens of people? Welcome. Oh, come on, Radiant Church. Welcome to the family of God. It's a big deal. Here's what I want you to do. If you just made that decision, you need to tell somebody about it. Man, you can go to our info centers on the way out. All of your location pastors are in the lobby on the way out. If you want to tell them, we want to have a prayer team up front. We'd love to pray with you. And we're just excited about this journey that God has put you on. The best truly is yet to come. Hey, if you want to lead a small group, make sure you go to the trainings today. They're happening all day long across all locations. I'm super pumped about that. And we'd love to have you go through next steps too. This will be your best year if it's your best year spiritually. Let's make some decade defining decisions. Can I hear a good amen today? All right. Our radiant benediction. Let's throw it up on the screen. We say it out loud. And then at the very end, I say that we are, and we all go Radiant. All right, the second week of doing this, you guys were awesome last week. Ready? This week, I am moving towards Christ, towards community, and towards my calling. Because of Jesus, I am getting better, and I will keep coming back. We are I love you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.